0: This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec, the place to stay updated and educated. Hello and welcome to Tech Guide episode 457. This is the podcast that keeps you updated and always educated about the latest consumer tech news and reviews. Thank you once again for listening. My name is Stephen Fennec. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, Microsoft unveils the new Windows 11 operating system, Telstra's 5G now within reach of 75% of Australians, and is it ever okay to cyberstalk anyone? nearly half of young Australians think it is. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to take a look at the Netgear Nighthawk 4G LTE router. TCL announces the NextWear G smart glasses that are like a portable cinema, and Apple warns of the dangers of sideloading apps onto the iPhone, and your tech questions will be answered in the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, the company that keeps you connected, and Norton, the company that keeps you protected. Microsoft have unveiled the brand new Windows 11 operating system and and I can recall a few years ago Microsoft actually said that Windows 10 would actually be the last numbered system. Uh, so much for that uh, little statement. So Windows 11 uh, should be in uh, on the latest PCs before Christmas. So if you do buy a, a new PC, if you're planning on buying a new PC before the end of the year, you can expect Windows 11. To be pre-installed. For those of you who are happy with your current setup and are maybe running Windows 10, you can upgrade to Windows 11 for free. But there is a catch: the the PC that you have right now to run Windows 11 as a free upgrade, uh, the eligible PC has to have a TPM. That's a trusted platform module. It needs the TPM to be compatible. The TPM is a little processing chip that makes sure you're running a trusted version of the Windows software that is running on trusted hardware. So this is Microsoft's way of uh, getting rid of pirate copies of Windows on their on their uh, partner platforms. Their the companies that are running Windows on their computers. So, keep an eye out for that. If you are keen to get Windows 11, check that your computer does actually have a TPM, Trusted Platform Module. But enough about the details. Let's talk about the features. What's new with Windows 11? The first thing to take note of is, is the design. The look of Windows 11 has changed quite a bit from the current Windows 10. It has this new, cleaner, softer new look, which is immediate from the get-go. And from, In fact, the new start button and taskbar have all changed. It's now everything's in the middle of the screen. You know, the start used to be on the left. You can position it to the left if you do prefer it that way. But by default, it is now in the middle. Uh, and, and everything's been redesigned from the curved edges of the windows to the fonts and icons have all been created to give you, and these, this is Microsoft's words, to give you control and a sense of calm and ease. So hopefully you don't get too stressed out using Windows 11. Start, as I mentioned, is in the middle, so it's easier to find. It does utilize the cloud, so it does look at what you've been working on in the cloud and also what you've been working on on Microsoft 365, and then it can present you with your recent files that you've been working on. So say you've been working on another desktop computer or a mobile device, if you've been working within your Microsoft 365 account, it will place all of those recent files, Whether even if you're using them on an Android device or an iOS device, those files, it will present them to you to show you here are the recent files you've been working on. So if you did want to continue, pick it up where you left off, it's going to allow you to do that. The other new feature of Windows 11 is Snap Layouts. Now this allows you to organize the desktop. So you can can create a side-by-side view, snap it into four different sections of the screen. So it really helps you in an instant make the best use of your desktop. The other thing that there, there is speaking of desktops, it's now the it's possible now to create separate desktops. This suits whatever you happen to be doing, so whether it's working, whether it's uh, schoolwork, gaming, whatever you happen to be doing, you can now dedicate a desktop for those particular tasks. So it's very easy to switch between the two as well. There are also now widgets. Widgets can let you access information at a glance. I think it's part of the browser, and you can now have widgets that can give you the latest news headlines or sports results or the weather. So easy easy to customize and personalize that content, whether it's stock prices, whatever you need, everything is now at your fingertips with the widgets. Widgets, of course, we're familiar with widgets on our Android devices, even iOS devices now as well. Uh, Microsoft Store now will allow, can you believe, it'll now offer Android apps. But it's typical Microsoft. It's not as straightforward as that, unfortunately. So what happens now, if you want to access Android apps, you have to first of all access the Amazon App Store. It does sound a be complicated, but... The Amazon App Store will be in the Microsoft App Store and from the App Store, you can access Android. So it's a store within a store to get your Android apps. I'm sure they're going to explain that a lot better than I did just then, but uh, bottom line, Android apps will run on Windows 11. Now, on the security side, Windows 11 has also built-in security technologies that are going to protect users uh, from the all the way from the chip to the cloud. So, for the computer, all the way up to your files in the cloud, now have this new security standard. Windows 11, Microsoft says, will provide a zero trust ready operating system, and that enables data protection across all your devices, which is really important. Microsoft also working closely with their partners, their OEMs and silicon partners to raise those security standards so it'll meet any threats on the landscape. So any new virus, any new threat, it'll be on top of it. And if you're worrying about app compatibility, worry no more. Windows 11 will be able to run all your applications thanks to a new App Assure service that'll fix any app issues that you may run into for free. That was the issue I remember with Windows 10. The things just wouldn't work on it. Different apps, different applications, different accessories, printers and things like that. So hopefully App Assure will put a stop to that. And, of course, gaming, a very important part of Windows. They, they of course, have the Xbox as part of their platform. Uh, so the Xbox Game Pass will also be available now for PC gamers, so they can get access to more than 100 high-quality PC games and new games added constantly, which is uh, great news if you're a gamer. Now, when can we see it? It will be before the end of the year, so expect to see those wave of PCs, I think, around November. So the pre-Christmas rush. If you're planning on, if you are planning on buying a new PC, then maybe it's an idea to wait. Although you will be able to upgrade from 10 to 11 for free on a PC that you buy now, because it will have that TPM, that Trusted Platform Module, to uh, to so it is compatible. So uh, keep an eye out for that one. TPM, Trusted Platform Module, all of those PCs that will be running Windows 11 later this year will all have that. And I'm sure any PC that you've bought within the last year or two or three should have that TPM in place as well. If you want to check out Windows 11 a little more closely and see the pictures of the platform and what it does look like, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fenwick. Telstra have just announced that their 5G network is now within reach of 75% of the Australian population. They had a special online roundtable today, I'm recording this on a Monday, and they did in that roundtable reveal that the network, as planned, is now within reach of 75% of of the population. They did set that target before to, to reach that target before the end of June and here we are two days out before the end of June and Telstra has confirmed that they have met that target. So they're now within 75% of the Australian population and with of course still 25% to go but Telstra implied that that last 25% is probably the hardest yards in the journey so it it may not be uh, in the next few months we're going to see 100% it could actually in, in fact be years before we see 100% in fact they did announce that it's it's the 4G network now covers more than 2 million square kilometers which is i think 99.4% of the of the population so we've seen how long that took to to roll out so Perhaps the 5G, this last 25%, that, that could be another year or two, who knows. But the, the story of the day, though, is that they have hit that 75% coverage, which does include access in a lot of regional areas. There were, just, just in the last few months, there were more than 100 regional towns and cities just in the last six months alone that have been included. And you may be from one of these places, Yuchuka, Moama, Castle, Maine, Port Douglas, anyone from Yas listening? Murray Bridge, Devonport and Esperance. The, those towns now have Telstra 5G connectivity. So uh, uh, pretty impressive the, the speed of their rollout. Another thing they announced too, which I thought was quite interesting, is the fact that there are now more than 1.5 million 5G devices on the Telstra network. So you can think Samsung's had 5G devices for a couple of years now, as as does Oppo and all these other brands with 5G. And of course, Apple with the iPhone 12 released late last year, its first 5G compatible device. And I'm sure that number of 5G devices increased sharply once the iPhone 12 was released. There were a lot of customers, the iPhone's the most popular phone in Australia, so you can just imagine the the jump in numbers of people using 5G. And that was the reason why Telstra and Optus, even Vodafone, were pretty aggressive, wanting to own the, the release of the iPhone 12, because they knew that an iPhone 12 customer would also be a 5G customer. And as we as we know on many many times in the past when apple does something to a lot of customers it becomes official so to them 5g is a real thing because their new phone now has 5g they've probably been iphone users for many years not knowing the fact that 5g's been available on other devices for several years now But until the iPhone offered 5G to that customer, it was the first time really that experienced it. So, hence the reason why I think that number would have increased sharply late last year when the iPhone 12 was released. Telstra also mentioned the fact that. 4G is still a priority. In fact, it's expanded the 4G network now beyond the scope of 3G. The 3G footprint is 99.5% of the population, but Telstra's 3G network is going to be switched off in 2024, and by then, the 4G LTE network will be ready to take the handoff to be there to to provide that other network in case you aren't on 5G. 3G still has a couple of years to go, three years to go, 2024, just around the corner, there'll be no more 3G, but by then, 4G LTE and, of course, 5G will be well and truly advanced as well. Telstra's partnership for 5G is with through Ericsson. They did uh, mention the fact that they, they are looking to the future and they want to improve their 5G services by including low-band 850 megahertz and also millimeter wave technology as well. So the, these technologies are not only going to increase the footprint, but also they want to increase the latency and the speed of the network. Speed is what we all know, the download speed, Latency is the other feature of 5G where things happen instantly across the network. There's no lag in, 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 the, in anything that happens across 5G. That's another, another of the advantages, uh, apart from the sheer speed, of course. Now, the millimetre wave uh, has also been rolled out in some parts of Australia, including there are some live sites using millimetre wave technology in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Gold Coast, and Goulburn. Now, with millimetre wave... It does have a shorter range, but faster speed. So it can handle a higher capacity, but doesn't have the range of regular sub-6 5G, which is kind of your your generic 5G, let's call it, is sub-6. That sub-6 is what we have in the suburbs, what we have in 99% of the 5G networks in Australia, but for busy areas like the CBD Airports when they get busy again, train stations, stadiums—they're going to have that millimeter wave technology, which has the capacity. Doesn't they? Don't require the range in those particular sites, but they do have that increased capacity and speed to handle several uh, several pings to the network at the same time to the cell in that particular area at this at the same time. So pretty interesting news there from Telstra. The rollout continues. 75%, they pretty impressive. They've it's I think it's been only only a couple of years since they did first kick off the 5G networks and already at 75%, which is a pretty admirable achievement. If you want to read more about Telstra's 5G endeavors, you can check them out at techguide.com.au. Now, here's a, a pretty sensitive topic. I think um, it's about cyber stalking, and the this report that was released by Norton LifeLock. They released their Cyber Safety Insights report. This was conducted uh, with with more than ten thousand people in ten countries, including one thousand and five uh, Australians in the, in that study. Now. The question I asked at the top and in my story on Tech Guide, the question is, is it ever okay to cyberstalk anyone? And the alarming thing is that two in five Australians aged between 18 and 39 think that's acceptable, according to this new report. So half, that's nearly 49% of Gen Z and millennials, so if you're aged between 18 and 39, any of the half of those people who've been in a romantic relationship have admitted to stalking an ex or current partner online by checking on them without their consent and without their knowledge. Now, this this poses a, a huge difference between older Australians. There's a generational difference here. So, among older Australians. Only 24% of older adults admitted to this type of behavior. So half, nearly half of, of 18 to 39s say that it's okay, but only 24% of older adults admitted to that sort of behavior. And 30% of those younger Australians currently in a romantic relationship believe their partner is likely, somewhat likely, to download or has already downloaded apps that are they? They also also known as creepware or stalkerware. They think it's likely that they could download these apps on their devices to monitor their activity. That's frightening. So what these apps would do would would monitor your text messages, your phone calls, emails, photos, things like that. These findings published in the twenty twenty one Norton Cyber Safety Insights report are real eye openers. I think it's. Uh, it's it shows the research says that twenty two percent of Australians believe stalking a current or former partner online is harmless. More younger respondents, so it, the younger people in this survey seem to think, "Oh, it's okay. Everyone does it." Uh, the younger respondents agreed with that. Older Australians over forty, only eighteen percent agreed with that statement. So there's a real there's a real change here. The generational. Attitude is, yeah, it's okay to, to stalk people online, and the older Australians are thinking, well, it really isn't, isn't that okay. Younger Australians are twice as likely than those age 40 or over to agree online stalking is okay if, if one or both partners have cheated or are suspected of cheating, with some admitting they would be more likely to stalk a lover or an ex online if they knew they wouldn't get caught. But few Australians, thankfully, who've been in a romantic relationship, have acknowledged to using an app to track their partner's physical activity. So this it's pretty sneaky. It is possible to put an app on your partner's phone that will, without them even knowing it's there, that can track their whereabouts, their phone calls, all of those things. So uh, thankfully, only 9% think that that's... Uh, that's acceptable behaviour. Who would uh, who who have acknowledged that that's uh, they would be trying to do that? So that's at least something there. But others have uh, have gone uh, so far as to, to read uh, search histories on on people's computers and on their phones. The mo- the most common forms of stalking, just so that you know, is not you sitting across the road with a pair of binoculars, but. Things, things like reading your, your partner's phone to read their texts or their list of phone calls or looking at their emails, looking through their photo albums. Others have done the search history check. That's 15% have done that. Uh, on, and others have used, 13% have used their partner's password to access their devices or online accounts. And did you know the, mo- the biggest reason, the most common reason for checking on current or former partners 41% said curiosity was the reason. But others who just want to know that they're who their partner was with, uh, others to make sure their partner was safe. Uh, almost a quarter, 23%, said they discovered their partner was checking on them, so they decided to do the same thing. So uh, it's a little bit of, uh, you're going to do it to me, I'm going to do it to you as well. But you know what? If uh, the the creepy part of this is that there are there are people who install uh, creepware, stalkerware on on their partners or their family's phones, and there are some tips from Norton LifeLock on on how to find out or remove it. To if you suspect that maybe there is something on your on your on your phone, often uh, to install the app, they need access to your device. So to help protect that. Uh, maybe have two-factor authentication or a biometric login enabled so more than just a password is needed to to do that. So say, for example, you uh, have an iPhone and your partner wanted to install the Stalkerware. Just knowing your passcode is one step, but to approve the download, you do need Face ID or Touch ID, which they can't provide unless you're there. So that that's that that's the the two factor authentication. Make sure that's there, uh, and in some cases, creepware can be installed remotely on your device through a link. So beware of files or programs from third parties, uh, illegal downloads or freeware from untrusted sources can sometimes be used by hackers to infect your device with malware so it is a rule of thumb as as always is to just be careful what you're clicking on so you're not accidentally installing something that you shouldn't but all those other tips are all on our story on Tech Guide. Cyber stalking, it's a reality. People do it. Have you done that? Have you checked, looked up an ex or your current, your, your current partner to see what they've been up to? Uh, it appears to be something that's not too uncommon, unfortunately. But it was a surprise to me. Maybe it's a surprise to you. But if you want to find out more, you can check it out. Check out our story, techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide. Now, first review is actually from Netgear, our sponsor, the Netgear Nighthawk 4G LTE Wi-Fi router. Now, this is a router with a difference. Traditionally, a router, it requires, obviously, an internet connection. So traditionally, what you do is connect it to a modem. So the modem brings the internet into your house, you connect the router, the router creates a wireless network for your home. With the new Netgear Nighthawk 4G LTE router, It does it with a SIM card. So all you need is a 4G LTE nano SIM that provides your connection to the internet. If you you want to, this does work like a normal router. If you just want to connect it to a normal modem, works that way. But the point of this product is to be able to have that network and share it like you would a normal fixed broadband network to friends, family, colleagues. And doing that uses just the 4G SIM card. So having, having connected the SIM card on board, so the, the 4G LTE Wi-Fi router, the model number is LAX20. So the 4G SIM card provides the internet connection. Uh, so you might be on a holiday, you might be in a short-term rental property, you might just be somewhere where you, you can't get a, a line. I, I, I reviewed this this product. I've got a, a little shed out the back. I'm into my astrophotography. Those of you who follow me on Instagram and, and know I've written about it on Tech Guide as well, I'm going to be writing more, by the way, about astrophotography. And I do have a little shed in my backyard where I keep my scope and all my gear and the rig so I don't have to bring them in and out of the house so I can set them up in the yard. And that shed is just outside, obviously in the backyard, so outside the house, just on the on the fringe of my wireless network. So it's not; I can still connect, but not at the fastest speed. So this was perfect because i i live in a I live in a pretty strong Telstra four G area. Not quite five G. Five G is like 100, 100 meters down the road is five G. But 4G is still pretty quick. I get actually four, faster 4G speeds than I do 5G speeds, uh, NBN speeds here, I should say. So I'm getting 120, 130 megabits per second on 4G. So I thought, well, what a perfect way to use this. The shed does have power. I've got power out to it, but it doesn't quite have the strongest Wi-Fi. So I thought, what better way to bring a connection to the that shed uh, that that part of my yard than with this product, and it works perfectly. So it's got its own little network powered through that four G LTE SIM card. Now the beauty of this product is that it does have five Ethernet ports on the back. Uh, one if you are uh, if you want to use it as a regular as a regular router. There is a WAN, a wide area network Ethernet connection. It's yellow. So if you ex- connect that to an existing modem in your home, this is going to then act like a normal router. If you're using, using the Nano SIM, which will, that'll bring in the internet for you, but you can still through the four gigabit Ethernet ports connect. Uh, a, like I've got a smart TV in the shed that doubles up as my monitor, so I connect that to through the cable, so that's got a direct connection. I've got a couple other products in there as well. So he, suddenly I've got, like a regular router, I can hardwire connect products to this modem, this router I should say, that is getting bringing the internet in through the 4G SIM card that's on board. Now in terms of setting up the device, really simple using the Nighthawk app. It steps you through each, each bit of the process from initial connection all the way through to renaming your network and setting your own unique password so you've got your own little network powered by your 4G SIM card. The app also comes into play, it's a bit of a control panel that you can monitor the network, you can pause the internet to any device, track internet data usage and even set up a separate Wi-Fi network if you have some guests over. Uh, and and the beauty of this is that two two things it sets up the Wi-Fi network it sets up is a Wi-Fi six network which is up to four times faster than the regular Wi-Fi. So if you've got the latest iPad or laptop or phone that's Wi-Fi six compatible, then you're all you're all winners because you're going to get a faster connection. The other thing too is that it's a dual dual band connection as well so it's 2.4 gigahertz and 5 gigahertz and they are distinguishable when you search for the name of the network so and that that comes in handy that, that you think oh well why is why is that important well if you are connecting a smart device like a smart light a switch They often require connection to the 2.4 gigahertz network, not the 5 gigahertz network. And it is pretty hard to distinguish between the two, hard if you can't distinguish between them by name. Well, this does that, so you can connect smart devices through this router as well. Uh, So yet another advantage there. Uh, so it works It works a treat out in our shed, uh, it does have, uh, as with all my networks in my house, it's named after a Star Wars character, I won't tell you which one, in case you're my neighbour, anyway, the, uh, the Nighthawk the Netgear router, the 4G Nighthawk LTE Wi-Fi router, uh, also has a USB port on the back too, so if you want to connect a hard drive to share the contents on the network, you can do that as well, you also get 30 days free trial of the Netgear Armour, which is a, a software that can monitor all your connections and Keep your, all your devices protected, so um it, it like a regular network, like a regular router would do. The Netgear Nighthawk Four G Wi-Fi Router is available now. It's 499 bucks. I reckon it could be a little couldn't have, could have been a little bit cheaper than that, but uh there's no doubting it's it's uh its speed, it's efficiency, it's a it's a good product, works great. 4G SIM cards all you need and you got a connection that you can share with everyone with Wi-Fi six speed and also gives you dual band as well. The Netgear Nighthawk 4G LTE Wi-Fi router read our complete review at techguide.com.au TCL ahead of the Mobile World Congress. Yes, MWC is on virtually, I think it finished late last week. This is the, this is the conference that I normally attend in late February, uh, and it's normally held in Barcelona. Uh, for the second year in a row because of the covid pandemic the uh, show was called off so hopefully we're back in barcelona next year sometime but tcl used the virtual mwc to announce a range of new products including the next wear g smart glasses now these aren't the smart glasses that you probably that that, that come to mind years ago I'm, I'm sure you saw google glass and all these other really nerdy really stupid glasses that people look pretty dumb wearing them they were kind of ahead of their time, not really as useful as you'd think. But these are smart glasses of a different kind and these have small Sony OLED displays inside behind each of the glass lenses. So basically what this is, is a portable cinema that you can can connect to your phone or your tablet or your computer via USB-C. Doesn't require charging because it draws power from the product it's connected to. And it allows you to enjoy your content on the move through the glasses. So the glasses are positioned a few centimetres away from your eye when you're wearing them. So it lets you focus in on these full HD OLED panels, and gives you the impression. So they're at a, at a certain distance from your eye, spaced a certain distance apart. So when you're watching, when you're wearing the glasses and watching your content, it's the equivalent of sitting in a room with a 140-inch screen. So it is like a portable cinema on your face, on your, in the glasses. So you can just imagine how this can be used, whether you're on, on a train, on a bus, you know, when you're commuting, or you might be sitting, relaxing at home, on your lounge or in bed. And because you are wearing, in effect, the display, wherever you move your head, That's where the display will go. So if you decide you want to be laying in bed to watch your favorite Netflix shows, then guess what? You can do that with these. So you don't have to arch your neck to look at a TV or position yourself on the couch so you can still watch a screen that's on the other side of the room. With these glasses, the screen follows you wherever you go because you're wearing them. Imagine when once we're flying again, these would be great to watch your content on a long flight so you know how on a flight you'd normally got to have a view of the screen or of an ipad or something that you have to sort of sit up and and be able to watch imagine being able to lay back recline your seat and still be able to watch in comfort whatever content you want i think that's pretty exciting they are it is going to be released in the next month or two I hear that it's going to be priced at around the $899 mark. So keep an eye for that. As soon as we can get our hands on them, we are going to review them for you on the uh, on Tech Guide and also talk about them on the podcast as well. But TCL had some other announcements. The first was their multi-screen collaboration. So basically what this means, if you're a TCL smartphone user, it'll allow you to work seamlessly with Windows 10 devices. So if you're, say, you're on a Windows 10 computer, you need to share some photos or content or text from a phone, you bring them close to each other and you can swap it out. Uh, it'll actually replicate your TCL phone on the Windows device, and you can drag and drop whatever content you want. Another product they announced was the 5G Outdoor CPE. CPE is short for Customer Premises Equipment. So imagine this. This this is a little box that sits on your outside wall. It's weatherproof and dustproof, so it's got this special housing uh, and does have an operating temperature between minus 40 degrees Celsius and up to 55 degrees Celsius, so it can handle the heat, the cold, whatever you got got to throw at it. But by just inserting a 5G SIM card into the unit, it will allow you to access 5G signals even from several kilometers away. We're talking up to 35, 40 kilometers away. So imagine this as a little mini 5G base station slash booster slash repeater that can bring 5G connectivity into your home. So you may be unable to get the NBN, you're unable to get... Uh, a strong mobile signal but here with this system it does allow you to be able to access 5g just by inserting a sim card into this unit it can be pole or wall mounted and uh, and can really change things for you if you're looking to connect at high speed uh, tcl also announced the new move time family watch 2 this is a watch for kids so it's it's for those kids who are too young to get a smartphone. This is a device that they can wear on their wrist. It's a watch and builds on the previous model where children can uh, can ring a certain number of people, and only a certain number of people can contact them. There's fun games on board. It counts their steps, so it allows them to have that connectivity, but without the burden of a smartphone. Uh, and you know, if you give an eight-year-old a smartphone, there's a chance they could break it, lose it. It could be, it, it wouldn't be ideal. So here's a product, the Move Time Family Watch Two, that allows you to give them something that allows them to connect to you there's even a one touch sos button to call uh emergency contacts instantly when needed the device has a 1.54 inch display has a dedicated user interface that kids can understand and are happy to use and they can also personalize it with their home screen you know the home screen with wallpaper and stuff like that a fun product but gives parents peace of mind that they can uh, contact their kids even track their kids it does have gps it's 4g connected as well so, they can receive alerts when their kids move out of school, go back into school, uh, when they arrive home, all those sorts of things, uh, and all built into a, a watch, the TCL Move Time Family Watch 2. So, they've got the NextWear G, the multi screen collaboration, the 5G outdoor CPE, and the TCL Move Time Family Watch 2. All those products. If you want to take a closer look at them, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Apple has released a lengthy paper on the perils of sideloading. And sideloading is the practice of installing apps on the iPhone or iPad from outside the App Store. So in other words, apps that haven't been approved for to, to be available in the App Store. Uh, there are ways, if you know how to do it, to install apps to bypass the App Store. But Apple, Apple's paper uh, is is called "Building a Trusted Ecosystem for Millions of Apps." That's the name of the paper. It is all about how the App Store is there to provide security and safety for anyone who downloads an app. There are millions of apps that are submitted to the App Store and we've spoken in the past about how Apple have really stringent review guidelines. They've, they look through every single app. They have to approve every app that they offer in the App Store and that's for a reason because they have in the past kicked apps out of the store that are fraudulent, that pretending to be something else. They might be a kid's app that is spying on you. All these things are vetted in the app store before they're available to the public and Apple's kicked out hundreds of thousands of apps, even cancelled accounts because of the they're trying to produce fraudulent apps, trying to that are trying to scam you out of money, trying to mine your data, all those sorts of things. Bottom line, Apple says App stores there to protect people, to give developers this this amazing distribution model around the world, but it is also there to keep you safe. So that anything that you download from the app store, you can be guaranteed it's safe to use, and it, it won't it won't uh, invade your privacy, it won't uh, impinge, it won't uh, threaten your security, and, and it does provide information at the get go. So these little nutrition labels that tell you all about it before you download it. Now, what's particularly interesting about this paper and the release of this paper is the timing. The timing of this this release does happen to coincide with the proposal by the European Commission of the Digital Markets Act, which could allow developers to offer their apps directly to customers to be able to install on their iOS device instead of through what they call a gatekeeper platform like Apple's App Store. So the thinking here is that these companies Google, Apple have a monopoly when it comes to apps that are available for their platforms. And as I said and as Apple mentioned in their in the paper, these stores, in particular the App Store, Apple were had a lot of things to say about Android, which I'll get to in a minute, but the App Store is their protected platform. Now in the paper, of course, Apple dissed Android pretty seriously. They were saying that it's 15 times more likely to get malware uh, from an app on Android. The, the, it's, it's like the Wild West, basically. They, they don't check every app. It's all it's all to do with uh, they're, they're not as stringent as Apple. Now, the other, the other case that's going on at the same time is against Epic Games. These are the creators of Fortnite. So Apple's been involved in a court battle with with Epic for some time. In fact, I think one court case has just concluded and we, we probably won't hear a result for months. But the, the basis of this court case is that uh, Fortnite, Epic Games, the people behind Fortnite, are claiming the App Store is a monopoly and they're charging high fees for their in-app purchases. So anyone who's familiar with Fortnite... You you can get all these V Bucks and, and buy in, in-app products and things, and whatever you purchase through the Epic Games iOS app, so iPad iPhone, Apple gets thirty percent of all those sales. So Epic thought, well, geez, that's that's a lot to ask, and Epic they 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 try to negotiate with Apple. Their, their argument is that it should have other in-app purchase methods outside the App Store without Apple collecting its 30% commission. you got to remember, Apple clips the ticket there because they're providing a platform used by billions of people. So this is an on-ramp for Epic to get on a billion plus iOS devices. Epic's argument that they approached Apple and their argument is that, look, let's negotiate a special deal to allow players to pay Epic directly for in-app purchases. Apple naturally said, no, thank you. That's not how it's going to work. And then the approach by Epic was in June last year and Apple's refused and they've had to go to court. And as I said, the case has now concluded, but we probably won't hear a result. Uh, the The decision won't be handed down for some time yet. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that turns out. But as Apple stated in their paper, they did highlight the fact, and as I said, they did they did uh, really diss on the Android operating system. They said there are 15 times more infections from malicious software than iPhone. That's because the Android app can be downloaded any from anywhere, basically. Uh, the report went on to say that Android users would have to constantly be on the lookout for scams. They'd have to look out uh, wondering who to trust on the, on the store. The, the study mentioned that Android apps aimed at children were found to be collecting data that violated a child's privacy. Sideloaded apps on Android, according to Apple, have also been known to carry out locker ransomware attacks, which locks the users out of their phone and and targets their photos or and files unless they agree to pay a ransom. So it locks it up, and then unless you pay, you lose it all. So Apple has, they've always been big on privacy and security. We've been speaking about that for months now, years in fact. They've always been, they wanted to make it as transparent as possible for their users. So... That, that this that's the reason why Apple is kind of protecting their position here because they're worried that the European, if if it does become um, law for Apple to provide some kind of avenue for developers to directly sell to customers rather than through the App Store and thereby sidestepping that thirty percent commission, then Apple's argument is that that could be very dangerous because who's who's to know what's going to be in that app unless someone checks it for you. That that that's where they're coming from, but. Uh, Apple's app review program, uh, as I mentioned earlier, it it identified more than a million apps, including 150,000 for spam, 215,000 for for violating privacy, 48,000 for containing hidden or undocumented features, 95,000 for fraudulent violations. So Apple's hard at work there, really protecting the customer, making sure they get the app that's not going to hurt them, not going to—it's not going to uh, intrude on their privacy or their security. So interesting to see where this goes. Uh, the the paper, the story is all up there on Tech Guide. The timing of it, of course, is what's happening in Europe, the Epic Games situation, Apple trying to protect its turf here, but also the. the They also want to protect the customer. They don't want the customer to uh, be, they don't want their experience on the iPhone to be compromised by not having that protection from the App Store and allowing any app to be downloaded to the iPhone. If you want to read more about Apple and the whole side loading and and the dangers, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton. They're the company that can keep you and your family safe online. There's been a rapid increase in cybercrime with constant data breaches, online scams and ransomware, just to name a few. Norton's all-in-one cyber safety solution, Norton 360 Premium, now comes with dark web monitoring powered by LifeLock, which helps notify you if your personal information is discovered on the dark web. It also includes device security and secure VPN with bank-grade encryption to help keep you private, online, plus a password manager, PC safe cam, and more. With Norton's award-winning security and globally trusted protection across 50 million customers, rest assured Norton 360 Premium with dark web monitoring is the all-in-one protection for your devices and data. Norton 360 Premium is available now at leading retailers. And now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. The Tech Guide Help Desk brought to you by our good friends at Belkin. Belkin sell all kinds of products, including cables and batteries, and now have also holders for your uh, Apple AirTags. Now, I've been asked so many times, where is my PlayStation 5? How come it's so delayed? When is it going to arrive? Why is this happening? And not just that, there are other, if you're after an Xbox, it's equally as hard to get your hands on an Xbox. If you've ordered a new car, it is now months before, for some brands, before you can get a car. I think a friend of mine ordered a Kia, and they had to wait 10 months to get the car. Now, the reason for all this is because of a global chip shortage, and This has been going on since COVID, and the experts are saying that it could continue until 2023. That's how bad it is. Now, what caused the shortage, I hear you ask? Well, for a start, it was the coronavirus, the pandemic, which shut down all the manufacturing. And like a lot of things, a lot of the chip manufacturing is based or outsourced in Asia, and as uh, there's a, a decades-long practice of outsourcing manufacturing in Asia, which includes chip manufacturers, and that process creates a number of smaller manufacturers. So, big big company outsources to help with the load of, of meeting demand. They a number of smaller companies help with the manufacturing. Well what ended up happening last year was COVID wiped a lot of those companies out. Some of them are still not back. And the ones that are back are struggling to ramp up to full production because the demand is just too great. Now, what did we do during the pandemic? We shopped, we bought things, especially technology. We ordered new things. We had all this money because we weren't traveling. So we thought, I'm going to buy a new computer. I'm going to buy a PlayStation. I'm going to buy a new car. And then suddenly... Once the process, the manufacturing got up and running again, they were still behind and and struggling to keep up. The the PlayStation 5 is the perfect example because it was released right around that time when the, the shortage began. Original forecast was to sell more than 67 million PS5s by 2024. At the current rate, they only sold, in 2020, only sold 5 million. Same thing for Xbox. They only sold 3.9 million units globally in 2020. That's how bad the shortage is. Now, to compound the problem, silicon has also gone up. Silicon's increased in price by 20% which is huge so add all those little factors together and you are seeing the reason why there is a chip shortage and in particular I mentioned the automotive industry they still remain the hardest hit major companies including Ford Volkswagen Jaguar Land Rover they slashed their production even laid off staff because of the shortage now What ended up happening with the automotive companies, they thought, you know what, once COVID hit, they rang up and said, you know what, cancel our orders. We're shutting down because of COVID. And their orders were cancelled. But what ended up happening is that once they got up and running again, they go, okay. They rang up and said, um, by the way, we need those orders again now. We're ready to go. And they said, well, too bad. Get at the back of the line. Your you're number, your you're 20th out of 20, there's a 20 other companies ahead of you who want their chips before you. So that's the reason why it could be a year if you order a certain make of car before you actually get it. So, it is a big problem, and as I said, could last until 2023, so uh, stay patient, you may get your PlayStation 5, hopefully before the end of this year, if you haven't already got it, but uh, even if you're on a new car, i tell you in particular, there are Telstra customers waiting, there are the, if you're a HFC customer, so if your NBN is through uh, HFC, uh, then and the modem that that can suit that connection, the modem in particular for that particular uh, HFC connection is also delayed. I've had many calls and emails from customers, Telstra customers saying they're in these areas with HFC. they are wait, they've been waiting months and will continue to wait months to get their special HFC motors because of this chip shortage. It's affecting everybody. Uh, That's the end of our show for this week. If you need to find out more, of course, you can head over to techguide.com.au and please feel free to get in touch with us. Send us an email, info at techguide.com.au, that's our email address, or easier than that, click the Ask Stephen icon on the right-hand side of the homepage. We want to also thank our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Please support the sponsors that support the Tech Guide podcast. Thank you once again for listening. We'll be back with another show next week. So until then, as we always say, stay safe and stay connected.